You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. We are going to conclude our series tonight uh, that I believe is helping us to refocus and to reset our hearts in a powerful way. And this series is, as I mentioned, coming from a couple of resources, one uh, being a series of messages preached by Pastor Bishop Anthony Mangan and some resources by Pastor Robert Morris. And we're talking about the idea of giving to give or give to give. And I want to look at our passages that we've been using, John chapter 3, verse 16, Deuteronomy 15, 14, and Matthew 10, 7, and 8. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them to highlight these verses. If you have a notebook, I encourage you to read uh, or to write, I should say, in those notebooks uh, what the Lord speaks to you tonight. Or if you want to use your phone in the note app, that's typically what I do. Uh, but if you want to jot some notes down as the Lord speaks to you, I encourage you to do that and make those points a matter of prayer. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 14, You shall... Supply him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your wine press. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Is anybody blessed? Has God blessed you with anything? Amen. I'm thankful for that. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, Freely you have received, freely give. And so in the first lesson, just as a quick recap, the first lesson we talked about the power of giving and uh, the power of what it means to give to give and that giving should cost us something. And we understood that giving is more than money. We read in Luke chapter 6, 36, Jesus said, Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. And judge not, that you be not judged. Condemn not. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Verse 38, give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you Again, it's such a powerful concept that we don't give, we, we are not giving to, to get something, we are giving to be able to continue to give. And so we give mercy, we give grace, we give forgiveness, because we understand that it's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's giving, given back to us in measure that we give it. And we're, we understood that God created giving for our sake that I don't give for God's sake, I give for my sake. In Deuteronomy 
uh, 15.13, when it talks about the bondservant, it says, when you send them away, don't let them go empty-handed. Verse 14, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. Why? Why do we do this? From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give. The Lord's put things into your hands, not for you to uh, keep to yourself, but to give and to bless others. And verse uh, 15 tells us why. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Everyone say redeemed. We're going to come back to that word in uh, a little bit. But giving reminds us of where we came from. It allows us to remember that. And last week we talked about uh, giving our best, that we should give our best. And if we are going to give, it shouldn't be the leftovers of our life, but we should give the best that our life has to offer. And we talked about four principles. I'll just quickly recap those. That we give our, when we give our best, doesn't mean that we're giving the most. We're giving the best that God has put in our lives to give. And when we give, we When we give our best, it means that we're giving something that was cultivated, not just something that grows and whatever just happens and, oh, I got a little bit here, a little bit there, I'll just throw it in. No, we intentionally create things in our lives for the express purpose of being able to give them to other people. And so we have to be intentional to be fruitful. And giving our best means that we're giving what God has given us, not just what we are ourselves are, are able to create on our own. We understand that anything that we intentionally do for God is from God. And so we looked at the idea of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. I think we all agree we would love to be people who love who are joyful, who are peaceful and long-suffering, and and we are people of kindness and goodness. All those things are produced by the Spirit. And so we give our best. When we give our best, we're not just giving our best in the sense that I've created something on my own, but we're giving our best in the sense that God has created things in us and done things in us that allow us to be at our best. You are your best when you allow God's image to be realized in your life. And giving our best is worship to God. In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. That when we give our best and we do our best, we do it as unto the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord. Giving your best is worship to God. So tonight I want to conclude our series on Give to Give with a very practical and powerful application. We know we give to give and we give our best. And tonight I want to encourage us to give our first. Give our first. Anyone ever hear the saying, first things first? Probably said that, hey, some things get out of control. You always kind of come back to this idea. Okay, first things first. Let's start with first things first, which essentially means 
Let's start with the thing that is most important, the priority in our life. And it's a familiar cliche. Um, In 1995, Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he offered this advice and this strategy for setting priorities in our lives. Whether we realize it or not, every day we operate by priorities, you, you operate every day. Now, you, you might not think of them as priorities, and you may not have ever written them down as priorities, but there's a reason why many of you wake up in the morning and you get dressed and you get in your car. There's a priority, maybe not to work, but the priority is I've got to survive this world. And so you've, you, you've created your job as a sense of priority, uh, Maybe hobbies have a sense of priority, or family has a sense of priority, and we we understand that, and it's important. But what Covey argues in one of the key insights of his book is in our daily lives, not everything that seems urgent is truly important. It might seem urgent to us, but it's not truly important, and not everything that is genuinely important feels urgent in the moment. In fact, Covey pointed out that often the most important things of all don't shout with urgency. And they're not standing and screaming saying, hey, I need your attention. There are things physically that are important, but because they're not urgent, you're not doing anything about it. And I confess, I am not doing anything about it. Probably until I have to. Because it's not screaming, but our health is sometimes set up this way. Even our money. Yes, it is important that you save and you prepare for your future and retirement and those kind of things. But how often does that not scream to us? It doesn't feel urgent And so it doesn't get on the list of priorities. So that's what Covey is pointing out, that in our fast-paced, always-connected world, it's very easy to live our lives ruled, and he said this, by the tyranny of the urgent, tyranny of the urgent. And we can end up constantly rushing from crisis to crisis, fire to fire, and never address the non-urgent but vitally important things that will actually contribute to long-term success. And so what we end up doing is we order our priorities uh, not in the best way. And so there's a lot of wisdom to this idea of first things first, understanding and prioritizing. And what we realize is that God went to great lengths to help us prioritize things properly, to help us put first things first. He did it with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He said, clearly, from any tree of the garden you may eat except this one. Leave this one alone. It's not for you. Enjoy all the other blessings and gifts from me. And all this couple had to do, all this first human couple had to do was keep God first. By leaving alone that which he said belonged to him. Now, of course, we know how this story ends. It doesn't end well, and it's impacted all of us. 
But he again spoke clearly when he called out the Israelites from Egypt to be his covenant people. On Mount Sinai, he gave ten commandments to give to the people. He carved them out himself on the tablets of stone, and he told them in Exodus 23, 20 verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. The very first commandment is God clearly saying that he should come first in our lives. Everyone say first. God should come first in our lives. And today it is easy for us to shrug off the commandment and assume it was just some Old Testament idolatry and really doesn't have any relevance to us, but you've probably never been tempted to build a golden calf in your living room or to create an altar to Baal on your patio, but we don't have to look very far in the world around us to see idolatry. And in reality, we don't have to look very far in our own lives to see how idolatry can get into our lives. Because there are many things in our lives that is vying for first place. Many things want first place. There are many things in our lives that are trying to, to become the top priority and to make the top of the list. There are many attractive and enticing candidates for your worship and your gifts and your best. So the Apostle John, in his last or his first letter uh, in 1 John, verse 5, he ends the entire letter with this statement Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. A good prayer. I think I might pray that tonight with my girls. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Because honestly, that's a great summary scripture. Because you can't have an idol when God is in first place. And so... He just calls on them. It's just great advice. Little children, keep yourself from idols. And other, keep God in the first place position in your life. And again, this is not for God's benefit, but why is it important for God to be in first place? It's for our benefit because he knows what's best for us. He created us. And by keeping him first, we keep everything else in proper order. And we are who we're supposed to be when God is in first place. So how do we know if we are putting God first? Pastor Robert Morris gives these points of evaluation to us uh, to help us see if we're worshiping idols. I think it's worthy of our consideration. Whatever you worship is whatever provides your sense of identity. What provides your sense of identity? Whatever you worship is what gives you a sense of security. What is it that ultimately gives you your sense of security? Whatever you worship is what gives you your sense of purpose 
in the world. And I think if we can attach God's name to all of those, at the end of the day, God gives me my identity, God gives me my security, and God gives me my purpose, then I think we have a pretty good chance of not allowing idols to creep in. It's when other things start to come into our lives that give us this sense of identity and who we are, that idols start to overcome what God's trying to do in our lives and security and purpose in our lives. When other things speak to us and other elements speak to us about what our real purpose is in life other than the word of God and God's presence, then we have the potential to create some idols in our lives that keeps God from being who God wants and God needs to be in our lives for us to be who we're supposed to be. And so whatever you seek out first, that's what you worship. So what do you do to find fulfillment? What do you run to when you're in trouble? What gets your time and attention? What gets my time and attention? I think probably every day we could answer that a little bit differently. But I think the point is that we're constantly trying to keep God in that first place in our lives. There is a very specific way in Scripture that God's Word helps us to keep our priorities straight and keep God first. And it's called the principle of first, or the principle even, you will see, first fruits. And children of Israel, when God delivered them out of the, the hand of Egypt, one of the first things that He did is instruct them on how to be in relationship to Him. And you can read that in the first few books of the Old Testament. God gave them very specific promises about where they were going to go. He had this promised land, but he gave them some keys to be able to possess what he ultimately promised them. And he said, I'm going to allow you to be prosperous in this land. I'm going to allow you to inherit this land, but we have to have some things in order. And so one of those principles was this principle and practice of giving of first. And you can find this in several passages in Exodus. It, there was an offering that was given to, on that first Passover in Exodus 23, 19. Uh, the law was given in a way, and it says this, and we'll just read this one. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And the next part, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And we don't have time to dis dissect that. Let that ponder for a little bit. All right? But that was a pagan practice. But he's addressing the idea that God's word and God's law is first. That the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of, your, house of the Lord your God. It was not just the first fruits, but it was the first of the first fruits. And he's getting down to this idea of first. God's establishing this principle that I should come first. My house should come first. My presence should come first. And, and we can read other passages about that. We, we know that in, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, he says, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever 
opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast. It is mine. And here's the idea that he's trying to get them to understand, that the first is mine. The first belongs to me. Why is he doing that? He wants us to turn our attention to the proper order of things, that he is first. Everything in our life points to this idea that he is first. And so he uses this idea of the firstborn. And this is just one of, I think, 15 or 16 times where God lays claim to the firstborn. And we know that this is a spiritual principle through which he ultimately redeemed us back to himself. And the only way to restore what Adam had forfeited was to bring us into reconciliation. So how did he do this? He gave his first and only begotten son. And so that first was the redemption of humanity. And every time we give something of first to God, whether it's time, treasure, or talent, it should point us to this idea that you are first and that you are redeeming me. Remember, he said that you give because you once were a slave. You give because you're reminded of the fact that you once were held captive uh, uh, by the slave. But so you, you give that first fruits in recognition and you give away that gift to the, the, the bond servant because it helps you realize and helps you remember that God is always first. The Bible couldn't be clear about the need for us to put and to keep God first in everything in our lives. Pastor Anthony Mangan made this statement, God has to be first for order to be in our lives. God has to be first for order to be in our lives. It's a powerful, powerful principle that we put God first. You put God first in your life and it'll impact your relationships It'll impact your time. It'll impact your finances. It'll impact how fulfilled you are in life. If God is first in everything, then certainly he would be first in our finances. God understands the power of money in our lives and the potential for money to become an idol. So God gives us a way to avoid sabotaging the potential fruit in our lives lives. In Mark chapter 4, remember he said, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and they choke out what God's trying to do in our lives, and it becomes unfruitful. And so our giving financially is important to God. He gives us this principle of first for our sake. And again, remember, we are the best version of ourselves when we are made in the image of God, not when we're made in the image of man, not when we're made in the image of culture, not when we're made in the image of our own mind. We're the best version of ourselves when we're made in the image of God. So anything that we do to put God first causes us to be more and to look more like God, which is ultimately to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. 
And so this principle of first shows up in first fruits. It shows up in the firstborn. And I would submit tonight that it shows up in tithing in Scripture. And I'm not going to shy away from teaching and preaching that you should give the tithe of all your increase. Tithe means one-tenth. And it's one of the best ways to remind us that God is first in our lives. And in the Old Testament, they made their livings by farming, and they would bring not only a first fruits offering, they would bring their tithe into the storehouse, they would bring it to the priest to, to be used for God's work. And they brought their harvest, and it was a reminder to them, a reminder of them what God had done for them. And remember, it's for our benefit, not God's benefit. And so Proverbs chapter 3, 9 tells us, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Giving helps us. It's not just about helping God. It's putting God in his rightful place in our lives. Because first is a heavenly pattern. God doesn't need our money. However, God is interested in our hearts. And so Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that's a powerful scripture. And I know it's been said even in the last year or so. I can't remember by who, but... Bible doesn't say, for where your heart is, there your treasure will follow. The idea is that we are going to make an active step to say, God, you are first. And when you start putting God first in every area of your life, and in time, in talent, in treasure, in your tithing, your heart is going to follow. And I think that's a powerful thing. What is the motivation of our hearts? Where are our priorities? Where are the priorities of our time, our talent, and our treasure? If God isn't first in all these categories, then God is not first in your life. Say that again. If God isn't first in your time, in your talent, and in your treasure, then he's not first in your life. I don't say that to condemn you or judge you. I tell you that to be honest with yourself. He is not first in your life. And if God isn't first in your life, and if God isn't first in my life, then I am not going to be spiritually fruitful. Pastor Robert Morris said this, tithing isn't legalism, it is life. It is spiritual life. It is hard to overemphasize this. He said the, the stewardship practice of faithfully tithing is neither for him nor about him. It is for you and it's about you. And that's why, although some accurately call this the principle of tithing, it should be referred to as the principle of putting God first. Tithing is the principle of putting God first. First, tithing is a reminder and it's a test. It reminds us of who God is in our life, 
that he is the creator, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, and therefore he owns everything. And do I believe that? I hope that you do. And it tests my faith. It allows me to put my faith, if I put Jesus Christ first, will I be obedient to his word? It allows me to put my faith in action. James said, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And do I really trust God? So it reminds us and it tests us. But I would say it's not just a reminder and it's not just a test. And here is something powerful that I think it's good for us to know. Tithing is an open door for God to enter the circumstances of your life and place his blessing on you and your family. Tithing is a spiritual gateway for God to partner with your life. Here is the spiritual and biblical principle that tithing operates under. An offering given from the first redeems all of the remaining portion. Let me say that again. Here's the the idea behind the principle of first. An offering given from the first redeems all of the remaining portion. The first carries the power to redeem the rest. Romans chapter eleven sixteen. For if the first fruit is holy, then the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so also are the branches. The first carries the power to redeem the rest. So in a world where we try to navigate the chaotic and volatile uncertain financial seas of this world, which would you rather have? 100% of your income with no blessing on it or 90% of your income with God's wholehearted, supernatural blessing on it? Every faithful tither will tell you option two all the way. I want the blessing of God on my life I want the blessing of God on my family. And tithing is where we trust the Lord and we say, God, I believe I am better off with 90% that is blessed than 100% of me holding on to everything and spending everything and using everything for my own self. It's the principle of the first. And so I ask you today, are your finances blessed? Let me ask it this way. Are your finances redeemed? Are your finances redeemed? Because the first portion is the portion that redeems the rest. The first portion carries the blessing. The first carries the blessing. The first portion carries the blessing. That's why you don't want to give that first portion to the mortgage company, the finance company, the internet provider, or even the IRS. The first belongs to God because the first carries and it redeems the rest. If we give the mortgage company our first and we are saying, I believe that the mortgage company is going to bless the rest of my finances in my life and my life. 
If we give IRS the first, then we are saying, I believe the IRS is going to bless the rest of my finances and the IRS is going to bless the rest of my life. Yeah, we know that's not going to happen. Thank you, stimulus money. Thank you for all of that. But I want a blessing on my life. And that's why we teach here that you should tithe before the government gets theirs. Because you are saying, God, you are first. You created me. You made me before the IRS had a chance at me. You are first in my life. And I would say this, by giving, everyone say giving, giving my tithe, not paying my tithe, we say that, I don't, I don't think that's the accurate thing. We're not paying our tithe. We're giving our tithe. I am saying I revere God more than anything else. God is first in my life, and I trust him with the rest of my life. And you can see this concept of first over and over and over in scripture. In Genesis chapter 4, God accept Abel's offering because it was first, while Cain's offering was the leftover. We see when the Israelites overthrew Jericho. I hadn't seen this really until I started studying this. The, the city of Jericho was the first city in the promised land that was overthrown by the children of Israel. And guess what God said? Don't take one spoil out of Jericho. Don't you take one thing out of Jericho. Why? Because Jericho's mine. It's the first. Well, God, we could use it for the rest of the battle. We've got a whole promised land. We could use this. Has anybody had this argument with yourself about tithing or giving in, in a way? We could use this for this, and we've got this, and we've got these bills. God said, the first is mine. And even when they captured Jericho, he said, don't touch it. I think that's powerful. And we know when somebody did, what happened? It messed everything else up. In the Sermon of the Mount that Kristen spoke on last month, we read about Jesus telling his disciples, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What was it? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And if you'll put God first, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Here's the reality. God knows if we won't put God first when it comes to mere stuff, it's revealing a much deeper issue of our hearts. And tithing will shatter the hold that money has on us. And it will shatter the fear that grips so many. God wants us to walk in confidence that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring all the tithe, all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor will the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you 
blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. That's the kind of blessing that I want in my life. I think we, I would be a foolish pastor if I didn't challenge you to experience the blessing of God that can only be found by putting him first. I would be a reckless pastor if I didn't tell you how fulfilling your life would be if you gave him the best and you gave him the first of your life. There is an undeniable, unexplainable blessing that will come when your life is a life of giving. It doesn't make logical sense because I'm letting go of something. But Jesus said, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will preserve it. So give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. This is a great Bible quizzing church. We love it. We've done it for over 40 years. We have a lot of trophies that prove we're a good Bible quizzing church. We have a room upstairs that houses all of our national championship trophies, all these first place trophies. And I'm going to bring one out here. Sorry for the camera people are going to have to work a little harder tonight. May need help. Now this is a pretty serious trophy. It weighs about, uh, I'd say 50 pounds. It feels like 50 pounds to me, but <laughs> it's probably like two. Um, and I know, I know, I get it. We, what, I get what culture we live in. Everybody gets trophies, right? Everybody gets trophies. That's great. But there is a difference between first place and second place. And it's often revealed in the trophy, not to mention the feeling. There is a significant difference in getting first place and second place. On Wednesday, February 9th, 2022, before the Super Bowl, we were walking into the store, and Ava says to me, my 10-year-old, Dad, if the Bengals lose, they still get a trophy, right? A few thoughts came to mind. Number one, I don't think I've ever seen a second place Super Bowl trophy. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I've just never seen it. And then my second thought was, thank you Bible quizzing for helping create a trophy expectation. Tonight, I want to ask you, who gets the first place trophy when it comes to your life? When it comes to your time, who gets the first place trophy? When it comes to your gifts and talents and callings, who, who gets first place? 
And when it comes to your money and your finances and your treasure, who gets first? And I think sometimes, and I, I mean, you can evaluate our lives every week, and again, we, I don't think we always get it right. I don't think we always get it right. But I'm really challenging the, the Calvary Church to be a church that gives to give, not a church that gives to get. That we really see ourselves as having a lot to give the people around us, and to live a life that puts, puts Jesus Christ at the number one spot in our life. When it comes to our pleasure, our happiness, his will. And so I'm going to have you talk about a tough question. Last week was an easy question. If you didn't know, I threw you a softball last week. But tonight I'm, I'm going to ask you to... Tell, where do you put God first in your life? Where, where do you do best at putting God first in your life? And where can you improve in putting God first in your life? Where do you do best in putting God first in your life? And where can you improve in putting God first in your life? Certainly, you can, you can guard your reputation a little bit. But... I want you to think about that. I want you to talk about that uh, with somebody very safe. All right? So, all right. You have about two minutes to talk about that. All right, well, why don't you stand tonight? And I'll say this just for the record. Kristen was on this team for when they won, so I did pick that because of hers. The uh, 1994 uh, North American Bible Quiz Tournament, first place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Powerful. But when God is first, we are at our best. When God is first, we are at our best. And I pray tonight that you would not let this lesson or this series just kind of deflect off of you. I pray that you would really take an inventory of your life. I was telling Wellington, the Lord really challenged me just in this series about my time and putting God first every day. I'd say prayers in the morning when I wake up, and but sometimes you get on your way and you get to moving, and I felt like the Lord was really challenging me in that 
way to do better at putting him first and committing your talent to the Lord. If you are not using your talent for God or you're not giving your full tithe and you're not doing that, I challenge you to try God for 30 days. I said this, uh, I think, last year. If, if your life's not blessed and you don't have food, shelter, and clothing and the resources you need after 30 days, we will refund you your tithe. I'm serious. Now, I know a few of you have almost taken me up on that offer, (laughs) but it's a month's worth, okay? We're just doing a month. We're in our first fruits giving season, and if you're not familiar with what that is, that is a one-time offering. We call first fruits. The principle is there. It's an offering based in faith that some give the first, when we started this, I don't know how many years ago, some people gave their first week's. Uh, as an offering. Some people gave a first month or whatever as an offering, but this money is called the Promise Project. It goes towards the Promise Project, which is specifically for the improvements of these facilities, and, and you'll hear more about that. But I hear stories almost every month, honestly, from people in this church who realize the blessing of God that's on their life because of giving in some measure or another, and I thank God for those testimonies. But ultimately here at Calvary, I believe we're called not to just be a financial giving church, which we have been for decades, but that we are a church that is known for giving mercy, for giving forgiveness, for giving love. So Jesus said, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Why do that? Freely you have received. Freely you have received. Freely give. I want to pray for us tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for your word that challenges every aspect of our lives. Not for us to walk away feeling condemned or bad in some way. But, Lord, you lift us. You challenge us. Because you understand that we are, our, we are at our best when you are first in our lives. God, and I pray tonight that you would just continue to let us be a great church of faith, that we would believe for you, we would believe in you for miracles, signs, and wonders, and God, whatever you have given us, we want to be able to give it in return, and Lord, if you've given us mercy, we want to give mercy. If you've given us forgiveness, we want to give forgiveness, Lord. If you've given us resources, Lord, let us not be afraid to put you first in our resources and to go beyond that. I pray for sacrificial giving. I pray for spirits of generosity to arise in our congregation, Lord. I pray that you would allow us to give to give. We thank you, God, for your blessing, your hand that is on our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. 
Until next time, thanks for listening.